Welcome to Gone to Texas, a podcast about AMC's Preacher. My name is Alex, and I have not read any of Garth Ennis's Preacher. And I am Nick, and I have read all of Garth Ennis's Preacher. Today we're going to be discussing the pilot of the show, and while we, will, while we will not be spoiling any of the comic, and by extension, the future plot lines of the show, we will be discussing the details of the pilot. Uh, so pause this and go watch the show before you listen to the rest of the episode. But uh, you can find more from us at g2tpodcast.com. That's the letter G, number two, letter T, podcast.com. You can write us feedback to g2tfeedback at gmail.com. And then our Twitter is g2tpodcast as well. So talk with us. Let us know what you think of the show and what you think of our show and the show Preacher as well. And uh, let us know if we missed anything or if you want us to touch on something more. And we would love to hear your thoughts. So I think we'll get right down to it. We're hoping that these shows will be 45 minutes to an hour long at most. Uh, this one might be a little longer than we're anticipating because of the longer episode. It was 90 minutes. But on with the show. So we're opening on Outer Space. It looks like a 70s educational film showing some kind of celestial body hurtling throughout the solar system. It hits an African preacher and then he explodes and then we get to meet our protagonist, Jesse. He gets ready for the day. We see that he has flashbacks about his preacher father. And uh, he goes on to do a not a very rousing sermon to his uh, congregation. And they go to a barbecue outside where a young kid uh, pleads for Jesse to help him with his abusive father. So, uh, Nick, you were thrown off by the lo-fi uh, space thing at the front of the episode yeah. <laughs> what did you think of it <laughs> I, I don't i don't i don't know what i thought of it it was uh <clears throat> it was interesting i guess with that said i don't know i don't know yeah. what that means or what it must i don't know if it's a stylistic choice that was meant to be interesting i don't know i don't know if it has any greater meaning yeah i, I it just seemed to me like a just like a stylistic flair of like you know it it, it it's it wasn't what I was expecting the first shot of the show to be at all. Yeah. And and we, we both kind of commented on the, the large titles taking up the screen like a Wes Anderson yeah, movie. That's hot right now. Yeah. So. Big, big words are hot. <laughs> um, we also got to see kind of the dynamic of Jesse in his church. He's not very good at his job. Uh, did Did this opening... How did you feel about this opening compared to the comic? Did it feel... It wasn't shot for shot, I no, presume. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> no, uh, the first issue of the comic is actually it. It starts with Jesse and Cassidy and Tulip already all acquainted and sitting in a diner. Okay, and like rehashing the events of the last like thirty six hours or something like that. Interesting. So it's already totally different. I yeah. mean, not not totally different, but it is. Like, we could eventually get to them in that diner. Like that could be. We could. That could be episode three or four. Or which, which is like interesting because I, I kind of like. I, I kind of. I'm always a sucker for that kind of mixed up chronology, like a nonlinear story. Yeah. So when the first issue started, I actually tried to read Preacher one other time before I actually read it. Not that, that that's like a ton of times, but. It's not like the like eight times I've been taught how to play Euchre and I still don't get it. <laughs> but the first issue of Preacher was so, it's just so oddly structured. It just drops you right in the middle of it. And um, 
I must have been reading it at the wrong time, just like late at night or something, and I couldn't get into it. I, I finished the first issue, I think, and then I just never read anymore. Yeah. And then when I finally went to read it, it was actually really perfect conditions because I was traveling and I was actually in the desert at the time, and um, <clears throat> something about it just totally clicked, and uh, and it was the perfect time for me to be reading it, and it was just phenomenal. Uh, but the so yeah, the way the way the book starts is very different, and it's it's. I would say it's actually more arresting because you're thrown right into these characters and you don't really know their relationship, but they all seem really comfortable with each other. And all three of them are so different yeah. that you're very like, you, you just wonder how these people know each other and how they, how they ever got to meet. And then you kind of start to learn a little bit more. So okay. um, in the show, the show is a much more typical like boilerplate pilot approach where it's very straightforward. Introducing and, and, you to everybody. Exactly. And, yeah. Yeah. So that's a little different. Yeah, uh, we should also note we. This is the first scene we meet the uh, annoying man. So I, I don't. I the actor who plays him is in everything. He is. So annoying man will be more important later. We'll get back to that. Is that what he's credited as annoying man? No, that's just what I wrote him down that's as. Fine. I'm going yeah. off of my notes here. Yeah, so. he's. I know he's in a lot of other. Con- he's like he's probably in Parks and Rec, and he's probably yeah. in like Veep and that kind of stuff. He's totally that guy. One of those guys. But he's he's. He's almost distracting in this. Like as soon as he's there, I'm just like, oh, it's that guy. Yeah, and that's kind of the problem with with him. It's weird because it's like we we don't even know his name, so we can't really. Yeah, with people like that, at like character actors like that in general, when they start to show up in too much, you're kind of like, oh, it's that guy again, and it kind of pulled you out. His name is Brian Husky. Brian Husky. He is credited as Ted Ryerson. Is he really like Ned Ryerson? That's awesome. That's really really cool. That's good. <laughs> It all swings around to Tobolowski. Yep, yep. Good friend Tobolowski. So uh, we can move on to the second act. We've got uh, basically Jesse down at a town hall meeting where the new mascot of the city is being shown off and being beaten, and the mayor is pretty much being beaten as well. Uh, we get our introduction to Cassidy. He's on a plane, and we learn that he's a vampire very quickly. Yep. The first action sequence of the show. Um. Jesse's at a diner with an organist after that, with his organist at the at the at the church, uh, and annoying man, uh, Ted Ted Ryerson. Ted Ryerson is back, uh, complaining about his mother, and uh, we kind of learned that the mayor has a thing for the organist, but the organist doesn't really want the mayor. And then finally, we end up back at Africa to see a military vehicle roll up, and two men in safari gear come out to check the priest explosion site. So. Um, yeah, you you kind of had a reaction about the about the priest explosion site guys because you thought it was going to be somebody, but it wasn't. So I don't want to touch on any spoilers from that respect. But so you're saying these guys are reminding you of a force that is potentially going to well. Enter in, the initially, show I thought there was I thought that one of the guys was one character, and now I'm pretty sure I know who they are. Okay. Um, I'm pretty sure I know who they're supposed to be anyway. Okay. But um, I, I don't know for sure. So we'll have to, we'll have to we can stay, check back stay in tuned on that. to find out. Yeah. Um, in terms of Cassidy, you said they cast, Cassidy was perfectly cast. Yeah, so far. Well, yes. Here's the thing. Um, the, the, that role, well, for people who have read the book, they know, they know obviously a lot more about the character. And Cassidy is a really interesting character. Um, he's, he's, has way more depth than you would think. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's a spoiler or not, because I certainly didn't expect it. And then when he starts to finally develop more and you learn more about him, it's, uh, it's, it's really good. You're like, wow, this is actually a really great character. 
the the thing about casting of him, it's it's really easy to say like, oh, the psycho character is great, like they're they're yeah. well cast. And this is this is an unpopular opinion that I have, but it's like um, Heath Ledger as a Joker, like he's really good. That's undeniable. But he had the easy job, mm-hmm. like just be crazy, play the crazy guy. The, ca- the character's written. Yes, you know? exactly. You just have to step in and throw in some weird ticks and some weird quirks, and whether obviously that's where. The skill of that actor and director pairing works or say, how about I try this? How about I lick my lips a lot? And that kind of thing. And say, oh, that's great. But once the cameras are rolling, you've got it. Just be crazy. And the director will guide you. He'll say, okay, you need to bring it down a little bit or you need to bring it up a little bit more. Playing the the -the over-the-top crazy guy, I think, is a lot easier than playing the more nuanced uh, villains. That's an unpopular opinion. So feel free to write in and and disagree (laughs) if you want. But I think that uh, that's just kind of the way those characters are. And I I know at the time that I was first hotly debating this with somebody, I had way more examples from other movies. Yeah. um, But now I don't. But anyway, that's not what this show's about. So I think Cassidy, on the surface, could have been a very easy character to cast and play. Just say, get someone who can do Irish and, and is on the scrawny side and just make him crazy. But already right off the bat, uh, Joseph Gilgan, I think is his name. Yeah, I think that is plays correct. Cassidy. Uh, he's already showing little signs of, of of the Cassidy that is to come, and a little bit more of the character that's lurking beneath the surface, and that's great. He's totally got the the Cassidy just obnoxious swagger <laughs> down, where he doesn't care. Literally, he does, he might not even know where he is, and he doesn't care. Like yeah. he'll he'll be fine with whatever situation is going on, and I think that's awesome. And his. Uh, his resourcefulness is already on display, which is really cool because he is a drunken kind of just oaf, kind yeah. of a fool, but he's also really crafty and really smart. And obviously the thing with vampires and characters like that is that, you know, you don't know how long they've been around. You mm-hmm. don't know how much stuff they know. It's easy to discredit them and be like, whatever, just put a stake through him and he's done. But that guy's been alive for, say, 500 years. He probably knows how to dodge a stake or two and <laughs> do a few other tricks, too. Or so. jump out of a plane right. with, a, with a bottle of blood. And I loved a... that. Yeah, I loved that he was sure to grab a <laughs> snack for the road yep. and, and, well, to help himself recover when yeah. he gets down. And then the umbrella, too, was a really nice touch. I was yeah. like, okay, this is really cool. Because he, he displays that throughout the book where he knows he needs blood to get better if he hurts himself. And he knows he needs shade. And yeah. he really won't go anywhere without knowing what one of those two things is going to be. So it's pretty sweet. They they did a great job of laying everything about him right on the line, uh, right out right in his first scene. And so to introduce a character so wholly in one scene, also to have a really kick ass action scene, that's great. Like that's a great. So you liked the action? I loved. It. I thought it was really okay. good. Like TV action, I'm always a little skeptical. I mean, hell, these days movie action, I'm even a little skeptical. <laughs> but this this was really well done. I thought it was really fun to watch. It was it was pretty exciting. It was. Uh, it was, it all felt really real. I was like, okay, there's not. I don't feel like that's a total stand-in stunt guy. Like it feels like they're actually shooting yeah. this in a way. It was. It reminded me a little bit of Edgar Wright's action. It's got a little bit of that kinetic vibe to it, but there's still like lo- somewhat longer, unbroken shots, just following action around. It was mm-hmm. really cool. I I was a little bit iffy on it because it felt a little bit the core, core. It felt like the choreography was a little obvious. Uh, not so much in the way of like uh, like a video game where they keep sending one guy or like movies where they keep sending the one guy in the group to go fight the. <laughs> it wasn't that level. He was actually holding his own, but it just kind of felt like you could. It felt like a pilot fight scene to me. I I did appreciate that they didn't cover that up by just violently shaking the camera. Right. So that that was good. There is some shake to it, but it, it gives that that kinetic feeling that I do saying, remember thinking so. there was one. It was like a grapple or a punch that felt a little like the, the actor waited a beat for the other actor yeah. to be in position. But yep. I was like, yeah, whatever. I would rather see that 
than like a ton of CG, absolutely, or a ton of cuts or a ton of shaky cam. Yeah, because I could I could see like okay, they shot it, they did ten takes, and they were like, we got it in there somewhere. Let's go home and get ready for the next day of shooting. I'll and note, at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. I'll note that I I kind of like it's not a match on action, but it's kind of a match on action of Cassidy jumping out and then the splat of ketchup on, oh, yeah, the, totally. on the plate. That was yeah. that was fun. It was cool. So. All right, on to Act 3. Jesse goes in to check on a man named Walter that we kind of heard from the sheriff earlier in the episode, but he finds out that there's a woman in the home, and he quickly egresses, saying, thanks for the warning, Walter. And then we go a little bit back in time. Kansas not too long ago, I think is what it says. Mm -hmm. Uh, Basically, there's a badass woman fighting people off as she's driving a car, and she ends up uh, having to make a homemade bazooka with some kids to take on more people that are coming after her. And we learned that that <laughs> is Tulip. Yep. Um, I want to say Ruth Nega is the, or Nega, I don't know how to say her last name, is the uh, actress playing Tulip. And she was in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and I didn't really care for her at all there. But I feel like here she actually has like an interesting and developed character to play. And so I'm kind of excited to see more from her. But what did you think of the characterization of Tulip? <laughs> no, I'm just thinking. Uh, I think she's pretty good. Yeah. She definitely feels different already. Okay. Uh, but I think the core quality of Tulip, that she's fed up with Jesse's shit, is <laughs> pretty intact. So yeah. that's good. Uh, no, I think she's she's very interesting. Like, I, she looks very interesting. She's a very mm-hmm. interesting build. She has an interesting face. She's, she's got just, very interesting fashion, too. Yeah. She's wearing weird clothes. Mm-hmm. And- yeah, she's interesting to watch. And so I think that's pretty cool because uh, it's a good way to make her stand out. Like, the cast, when I when I saw who they cast, I was like, she's very, int- she's just unusual looking. Yeah. And uh, it was interesting that they cast a, a black woman as the, as the role because the book is, like, in the Deep South for a lot of it, yeah. all over the Deep South. And it deals with a lot of racism. Yeah. So that could potentially be really cool. That'll like give him the source to let her. I, I don't her mean own. cool. It's not <laughs> well, <laughs> racism it, is not cool. No, correct. <laughs> but it, it it'll it could be lead to some really interesting exploration of that kind of stuff because yeah. they're they they do get into that some of that in the books, especially in like with Je- Jesse. We'll have to talk about Jesse later on. But the uh, with a show taking place when it takes place, I I assume it takes place in 2016. I mean, yeah. it pretty much does. Um, so yeah, m- more to come on that, I guess. Okay. But yeah, her introduction was cool. The her uh, all the writing between her and the kids was really good, and it all felt really natural. The kids were good. Mm-hmm. She played off of them really well. Uh, the not showing what was happening and just showing the aftermath is really cool. Yeah. So it's it's nice when TV. And I have I have no idea what the budget is on this, but I can't imagine it's enough to show someone shooting down a helicopter with a homemade bazooka. <laughs> yeah. But the, that way of of doing it is is much more fun to watch, I think, and and just entertaining. Just listen and watch the reaction of the kids. It's a clever way to to get around that budget limitation. Mm-hmm. So it, it's kind of it's cool that they did that a lot in the first season of Game of Thrones as well. Sure, yeah. yeah but I just it's also I was listening to an episode of uh, the Canon on which is another podcast we've talked about before. Um, if you don't know what it is, look it up. It's really good. Yep. And uh, there's an episode where they're talking about Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. and um, But there's a scene where they're talking about, I guess it's actually kind of a major spoiler for Blade Runner. <clears throat> they talk about when Roy Batty catches up to, um, oh God, why am I blanking on his name now? 
the the man who created all the replicants. Oh. Tyrell. Yeah. Tyrell. He catches up to Tyrell and he's talking to him and then he proceeds to like just kill him by gouging his eyes with his yep. thumbs. And they they were both kind of like talking about how they didn't really like that scene and like it's just pretty kind of gross but not really well done. And they talked about how the editing was really just it just cut between like all the people in the room like really rapidly. And they pointed out that and they praise Spielberg all the time, which is really cool because a lot of times you hear people going like, "Oh, Spielberg is so boring," and like, guys, Spielberg's like he's a master, <laughs> and it's just accept it because it's true. They talk about how a director like Spielberg would make that part more intense by showing the going in for the thumb gouge and then showing the reaction of the character who betrayed him, J.F. Sebastian, by showing the look of horror on his face and like yeah. maybe the shadows on the wall. That kind of thing would be so much more grisly and intense. Leave it to your imagination. So when when uh, shows, you know, or, or either movies can can do things like this, like with that scene, it, it, I think it just intensifies well, what... Limitation often breeds creativity. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. So, all right. Um, one last thing I wanted to say, they did sneak in a little, a little some, some overt feminism with the boy asking uh, Tulip if she had a boyfriend to come take care of all this situation. And I was kind of, like, it kind of soured me a little bit that I was like, a, a little boy would ask that. I don't know if that girl would have the same reaction. Oh, that's what bothered you was that somebody asked the question. Yeah, a, a little, yeah, because it just like it just kind of seemed like a it, it seemed very on the nose. But then I was like, if I was a little kid and I grew up with a strong father figure that was like taking care of things, although maybe he doesn't have a strong father. I don't know. There's a lot of implication going on there. But, yeah, and I I think part of it's kind of regional too. Like, yeah. Again, I yeah. I don't want to say any. I don't want to make any broad generalizations about like where in the world you are, but you know. You, Feel free to make them about us in the Midwest, I guess. But <laughs> you know, we're reviewing a show called Preachers. <laughs> what yep. does that say? Yep. But the, uh, I think that that's a pretty reasonable question. I really, I really liked the little girl, like her, her yeah. reply. Yeah, that was good. I, I, I liked it. I didn't know it. It felt almost like a, like an adult writing for the kid. But you know, I liked was... I liked Tulip's reaction too. It was really good. Yeah. Um. All right. So that's the end of Act Three. On to Act Four. We open on an, uh, another flashback Jesse is having with his father. He promised his father something, and his father was shot right in front of him. Uh, but then we see Jesse walk up to uh, Queen Cannon. Do you know the name of the company? Queen Cannon Meat and... Uh, it said something else, too. Some kind of butchery, I don't basically. think it's called that in the comic. I think okay. It's, but anyway. But uh, he's there to help with the... Or at least kind of try to uh, talk to... The young man's mother, who came to him in the first segment of the show, correct to to uh, kind of see if the father was actually beating her. So he has a discussion with her about that and finds out that she actually likes being the the pain, or supposedly she says she does. Uh, we also get to see Cass- the aftermath of Cassidy jumping out of the plane as a pile of intestines on the ground. That's so gross. And uh, he <laughs> he ends up. A cow approaches him, and that's how he's able to kind of rejuvenate himself as he he drinks the blood of the cow. And then we cut to Russia as well, uh, seeing some police on the street, and they kind of walk into a uh, cathedral of some kind, and it turns out that another uh, religious man has exploded. So, um, yeah, so a lot of this is kind of transitory going on to the rest of the episode. Uh, that that you you said it, that depiction of Cassidy was pretty gross. Um, yeah, 
But pro- is, does that feel like something that would fit in the comic? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, there's way worse to come <laughs> if, if they stick with the tone of the book. Yeah. Uh, so that's fair. Um, we we get a lot more about Jesse's flashback later on in the episode, so we can talk about that when that comes. But And then, uh, yeah. So I think we can just move on to the next act. Quinn Cannon is pretty important. That name sounds awesome. Like, I saw that name on the Wikipedia article, and I was like, man, what a name. Yeah, but, Quinn Cannon. I don't know what what shape it'll take in the in the show. Okay, but it's it's actually an element that's introduced way late in the comics. I want to say like probably in like the issue like in the forties range, forties or even a little bit up, upper forties. So it's seeing that right off the bat, I was like, oh, cool. yeah. Either either it's just foreshadowing, or maybe it's just an Easter egg, and they're never going to get around to it. Yeah, we'll see. All right. Uh, that's the end of Act 4. Act 5, we get to see uh, Jesse interact with Tulip after he ran out on her earlier in the episode. Uh, she's trying to convince him to join her for a job. We don't know what the job is, but she's also heard that Jesse's really bad at preaching. So, um, Jesse also drops by to visit somebody named Eugene, as the sheriff wanted him to. And it turns out it's the sheriff's son. Uh, this is the character traditionally known as Arseface. It is. Um, I'm sure he'll be known as that within an episode or two. Yeah. yeah. So basically, Arseface was concerned about God holding grudges against him, but Jesse kind of comforts him. And uh, I thought it was interesting that Arseface is subtitled in the in the show. Yes. He is Which, in the book also. Okay. That's yeah. funny. <laughs> and then, um, so all that stuff. Is there anything in particular that you want to touch on there? That was actually probably my favorite scene of the episode. Jesse which is Andy. interesting because I really don't like our space in the yeah. comic. <laughs> our space in the comic is way grosser. Like yeah. he, he's pretty gross in the show, but like kind of fascinating. Yeah. But like in the in the show, well, in in the show, he's he's you can look at him and just kind of be like, wow, he's, it's off putting, but it's kind of like it's off putting, but it's it's not revolting. Yeah. Like I've actually, you know, I don't, I don't think it's that bad. The in the books though it's like routinely characters see him and they like turn their heads and like throw up and like he's <laughs> he's way more he's always got like a big thing of drool coming out of his little hole for yeah. a mouth and his hair is really gross and his eyes are all weird he's he's way gnarlier in the book um and and all of his actual speech bubbles are just like mm's, like just like m's yeah and then there's like little dialogue boxes at the bottom that explain <laughs> what he's saying most like of the time footnote kind yeah, of thing yep, yeah yeah um That's but funny. that that scene was really great and I think it was actually uh pretty much the core of what preacher's about kind of and in a way without saying anything further Arseface has kind of touched on the whole impetus of like what is going on okay so it's it's really i thought that was really interesting they took the character that's like uh, he's pretty useless in the comic like he's <laughs> he starts off being kind of important and then he like disappears and then he just pops up sporadically and I, every time i got to like an Parts with Ars Face, I was kind of like, okay. But then I got to like an issue that's entirely Ars Face, like midway through, and I was like, oh God, I should just stop this. <laughs> so the fact that they're turning him into an actual character is pretty Something cool. And matters. the kid who's playing him is like really good, I think, yeah. so far. So that's great. I mean, that that was one of the things going into the show. I was kind of like, oh God, Ars Face is in the pilot. But <laughs> that is that is pretty good. Yeah, that's Ian Coletti playing Ars Face. So. I have no idea who that is. But Me neither. Uh, and then finally in that act, we cut to a bar where Jesse is drinking. Cassidy walks in as well. We see that Tom Cruise has died by a spontaneous explosion at a Scientology center. That's funny. Um, just kind of going along with the theme of religious figures dying. 
Exploding. <laughs> so, uh, Donnie, the aforementioned uh, husband who beats his wife, shows up saying that he knows who the snitch that clued Jesse into his hurting his wife is. And then they, they go ahead to uh, fight, pretty much. We get another fight here. We get to see Jesse lay the smack down, even though he's a preacher. So he knows how to fight somehow. We also and get some mysterious Cassidy phone interaction. He's on the phone with yeah. somebody saying that they found him. He doesn't know how. And then asking for money before the phone gets hung up on him. Yeah. Which I thought was really interesting. So, so he was speaking about the people on the plane. That yes. was something that I forgot to touch on. The yep. people on the plane were trying to find Cassidy for some reason. Mm-hmm. And then Cassidy proceeded to kill them all. So that was him phoning home to somebody. Um <laughs> But basically, uh, the sheriff tries to stop to stop the fight, but Jesse basically just breaks Donnie's arm and ends the ends the fight Snaps right there. Snaps his arm. Yeah, it's a it's like a compound fracture. That bone comes through the skin. That's pretty sweet. So yeah, that I thought I liked that fight. I liked it more, and maybe maybe some of the darkness of the bar and everything helped to, helped yeah. to hide things a little bit more. But I really liked that fight. Yeah, that was awesome. That's what I was waiting for. It's like right off the bat in the comics, Jesse's just really angry. He's yeah. just a super angry dude. He's kind of a less, a little less apathetic. Like this, this Jesse's um, definitely a little more just like exhausted and yeah. seems just kind of like bored and uninspired. And in the but as soon as you meet him in the books, he's like in a bar fight and he's just like pissed at like the town for not caring about anything or doing yeah. anything right. So it's it was cool to see that side finally come out and that little grin on his face for a half beat as he just the first dude he takes down he kind of has this moment of just like oh man (laughs) feels good feels good (laughs) yeah all right uh act six we've got preacher and cassie locked up in prison uh jesse reveals that he's broken a promise many times over we presume it's probably the promise he's been flashing back to with his dad Mm -hmm. um we get a little bit more on Cassidy as well. That's kind of their actual meeting at that point. Um, Jesse gets driven home by the organist of his church. I wish I knew her name, but I don't. Uh, he tells her that he's quitting and she gets very angry about it. Uh, and then Jesse starts walking up to uh, the church. The church is kind of glowing and the doors are opening and closing in the wind. The power won't turn on. Jesse walks to the altar, sits in a pew, and prays aloud for God to respond and doesn't get any kind of response. But the doors drift open, and a clear spirit-like force heads for Jesse, kind of pushing pews away as it heads towards Jesse. And then it hits him and flings him towards the altar. Uh, so this, I, we presume, is the same thing that's been exploding other priests. And uh, this, uh, this is my assumption. I don't know anything here, but this thing is exploding priests... And uh, it kind of violently came at the first guy that we saw, but it kind of approaches Jesse in a little bit more of a uh, metered manner than the other people, it seems. Mm-hmm. So, uh, any thoughts on that? I mean, I don't want. It feels like a loaded subject because there's a lot for you to talk around here because yeah. we don't we don't know much about what that all is <clears throat> as of yet. So. Uh, it, it is interesting because it it feels like they didn't they didn't really show the thing. Yeah, the thing is the thing has a name in the book what it's called, but I guess I don't know if they'll ever get around to that in the show. But 
it definitely the way it kind of slowly approached him it was like it knew like it was choosing him which is really yeah. interesting it, it don't like that's kind of the the thing that you get from the show especially taking this moment into account is that this spiritual body or whatever it is has been trying to find a host correct and and the people who exploded could not handle it yep and so yeah it was interesting because in the, in the book it's much more like it feels a lot more random like yeah. it does go around the world and it does it does find a bunch of failed hosts and then just rockets into jesse without okay. any sort of uh calm approach like that but um yeah, it's it, that moment is very different than it is in the books, that's for sure. <laughs> but it's, uh, yeah, it's it was kind of cool. I liked I liked kind of that moment. It was it, weird that they, in the, it definitely has a, a look in the book and in in the show, it's kind of this clear like shimmery yeah. thing, which like is kind a of ghost interesting. Almost. Yeah, but it was so. neat to see it interacting, like pushing the pews. That was cool. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was it was pretty neat. All right. And then uh, on to what I believe is the final act of the show. Uh, we finally get, I mean, it's not all of the flashback, but we get back to flash, Jesse's flashback, and uh, there's a quote from his from his dad and dad and him saying, got to be one of the good guys because there's way too many of the bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, the father also says, we Custers don't cry, we fight, and uh, and he gets shot. So the promise is to be one of the good guys. We kind of assume uh or at least that's what i assumed and then jesse wakes up after being out for three days with his uh organist by his side it's sunday so it's time for church uh jesse walks to church and runs into uh ted ryerson was it ryerson ted ryerson yeah uh ted ryerson again and uh jesse gets fed up and basically tells him to be brave tell the truth and open your heart for the third or fourth time in the episode and the man actually takes it to heart and runs away to go take care of the issue, it seems. Uh, we get a really bad Amazing Grace rendition in church. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tulip walks into the church to to kind of attend and see what Jesse's doing. Jesse announces he's apologizing for being a bad preacher, and then he kind of realizes in the middle of his speech that he can't quit. And and we kind of some of that anger that you were talking about starts to seep in in that mm-hmm. speech too. So that's kind of good to know. Uh, that it's kind of moving back to that characterization. Uh, and that speech kind of cuts back with with Ted traversing to his mother's nursing home to talk to her about the issues, but he basically just takes a knife and, liter- knife and literally opens his heart by cutting it out and handing it to her. So something Jesse's kind of got the ability to like command people to go do things, but it's very literal, it seems. And then finally, final shot of the show, our final sequence of the show. Uh, mysterious man eats a tea bag in the car. And then another mysterious man walks up to him and the car says, it's here. And they walk up to all to the All Saints congregation sign. Presumably those are the same two guys that went to Africa and, uh, yeah, yeah, and, and Russia as well. So they've been kind of following these priest explosions. <laughs> so, um, yeah, a lot to talk about there. We get to see Jesse, the first... Uh, kind of depiction of Jesse's powers. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you were kind of prepared for that one. You're like, oh, this isn't going to go well. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's great. I, did, I liked it. <laughs> yeah. And you said you were kind of sad that Jesse's eyes didn't glow red like they do in the comic. Yeah, I love he, that detail. It's yeah. just cool. Like, it, I assume that they. They might not do anything further than what they've already done, but it's a, it's just a clever way in the book to let you know when he's 
Because he he knows when he's doing it in the comic. Okay. Like he starts, he knows like so he can tell you something, but you he won't necessarily be using the power. Yeah. So the 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 red in the eyes was a clever way of of letting you know that he knows right now he's making a decision to totally mess with somebody, <laughs> possibly kill them, and uh, so I kind of like that. Obviously, at this point in the show, he isn't aware of what he's doing. Yeah. So, so we'll more we'll more see. on that soon. Mm-hmm. Um. And it seems like these guys are going to have some kind of interaction with Jesse, the the mysterious dudes traversing the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll we'll presumably talk with him next episode, maybe, maybe. Hope so. That's what it seems like. So yeah. Um, is there anything else in that kind of end part that you want to talk about before we get into general thoughts? Weird to go backwards like that, but no, I don't think so. I think uh, that that's that about covers it. It was a cool way to see all the characters of the episode when we were in one place. Like yeah. even Cassidy was sitting <laughs> in the back row. It's like the pilot of Modern Family. <laughs> yeah, they all just wind up in one yeah in one location. Yeah, yeah, that that was interesting. That was cool, and it was a nice moment of uh seeing jesse kind of change his mind mm-hmm. but where that's gonna go i'm not really sure yeah so all right um overall thoughts on the pilot did you enjoy it did you enjoy it more than you thought you would uh i don't know i don't okay. know i don't know yet Still because yeah the thing is i didn't particularly love the trailer yeah but which people will have heard in our primer episode I if they s- go back and listen but I started seeing some of the posters, and they were like aping covers, certain covers from the series, and I got really excited. But the fact that it, it's even being made got me excited. Like, of course, okay. I was excited for this episode. I wasn't like dreading it, and I, I think it's cool that it's getting made. I think it did a lot of things really, really well. I can say for certain that it's already going to deviate from the comics, like yeah. in terms of the plot and like what's going on. I wish this show was already all out so I could just keep watching it because <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be really impatient with this show because the, the books, the plot is so strong. It's just the strongest current. It just keeps flowing. It gets a little bogged down later on in the series, but it, it's the, for the first, like I want to say like 25 or 30 issues, it's perfect. Like it does not let up, and you are absolutely entirely enthralled the entire time. You are so curious to know where it's going, and I, I just couldn't put it down. And the show, I can, I think I can kind of already see what the first season's going to be, and I don't really like it mm, <laughs> where it's going. Interesting. So, yeah, and that it's going to be fun to to watch where the series goes. I do think it's it's a pretty promising pilot. I think it introduces everybody for the most part. Uh, I'm still not a hundred percent sold on Dominic Cooper. Okay. I like him. And it's just I think it's because it's a different characterization of Jesse. Because as soon as I finished reading the book, I was like, okay, that's it. Either John Bernthal or Matthew McConaughey has to play Jesse. <laughs> yeah. Like has to. Because they both kind of look like him and they they're both like they got that Texas vibe. They can do that Texas really well. Mm-hmm. Like you could see them, either of them, like giving a sermon and then going out and like cracking a beer and throwing a steak on the grill and just mm-hmm. like punching someone. Like both of those guys characterize that so well. And Dominic Cooper is a little softer than that. Yeah. Which is funny because he's a really good actor. He plays a really good, good guy and he plays a really good, bad guy. Yeah. See Need for Speed. <laughs> <laughs> he's such a great bad guy in that. And he's so over the top. But he, um, I do like him. I think he's good. It's just a very different Jesse. He's he's a little more... I don't know how to put it yet. He's just not... He just doesn't look like a he's piece... A, he doesn't have Dylan face, as it's called, <laughs> where 
Men we in, discussed Dylan yes. face in, in the primary. So. <laughs> men, men in comics who are drawn by Steve Dillon all have a similar face, and John Bernthal. See John Bernthal. He is living <laughs> Dylan face. Like if you just, you could probably even Google like Steve Dillon Dylan face or Steve Dillon face, and <laughs> it'll be there. They all have the same kind of facial features, and it's hilarious because no one on earth really looks like it except for John Bernthal. <laughs> and so, <clears throat> I remember when I was reading it like a year over a little over a year ago, I was like, "God, he looks like John Bernthal." And then, like, they ended up casting the Punisher, who was really famously yep. drawn by Steve Dillon. And I was yep. like, "Okay, well, you know, they, they're they're half right." They got it. <laughs> I would. It's funny because as I was watching this episode, I was like, "You know what? I would almost be willing to to give up John Bernthal as the Punisher in order to see him as Jesse." Oh, which wow. is a huge that claim right now because he's really good as the Punisher. Uh, but we'll see. Maybe Dominic Cooper's Dominic got Cooper time. Dominic Cooper grow into his uh, go, like yeah, we got some time. And to I go. think that that's probably the part of it because the Jesse in the books, like you just look at him and you're like, you wouldn't mess with that guy. Like he just is a tough, mean looking son of a bitch. And I think maybe that's kind of part of the casting because Dominic Cooper does have like kind of a soft face, kind of soft features, and so he seems a little less scary. Um, because it was kind of like the thing with Jack Reacher when Jack Reacher was coming out. Anybody who had read the books was like, oh, what? Yeah, Jack Reacher's supposed Cruise. to be like six foot four and blonde. He's supposed to be Dolph Lundgren, basically. It's just like this enormous mountain of a man. Yeah, and I was like, it kind of worked in the movie though, because you look at Tom Cruise and you'd be like, well, whatever. Like anybody who's a in a big a big fella probably could think they could take Tom Cruise. Yeah, and that ended up being one of the great strengths of the movie. He was a little guy, but he was just dismantling you know a whole room <laughs> of guys. So it ended up working out really well. Yeah, and so I think that's kind of kind of the same thing. Like, yeah, it's Tom, a little. It's not. Uh, the traditional Jesse Custer might not be expected of Dominic Cooper, so that might be kind of a fun transition. Or yeah, he's just he. It's not he's not what he seems. Yeah, which is cool because I think that um, that that might end up playing to the way a lot of characters react to him. He looks like a like a relatively small, soft spoken kind of pretty boy preacher, and you'd be like, whatever, whatever is this guy? Who who cares? Yeah. And then he'll, you know, beat you up and six of your friends and snap your arm with his bare hands. <laughs> All right. Well, I can, we're getting near the end of the episode. I kind of want to end every episode or kind of the last segment of the episode before the outro to be kind of questions that we have or that were raised during this episode or maybe answered at some point, too, when they start getting answered. Uh, I wrote these down. Jesse clearly has some power. Very literally tell people what to do. How is he going to use it in the future? That's kind of a big question. Um, Tulip is clearly into some kind of crazy work and it appears Jesse used to help her or work with her. Is she going to pull him into it again? And will he use his, uh, her talents for something in, in his town or whatever? We'll see. Um, who were the men looking for the celestial body or the ghost type thing? The energy following the energy around. Uh, that's something that we might get more on next week. Who killed Jesse's father and why? That mm-hmm. seems like it might be important. And then uh, the other, if I'm reading correctly, uh, and then finally, the only other question I had is, how did Arseface get that way? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's great. So. I didn't even realize they didn't even get into that. Yeah. So I, that's, those are, that's, those are the questions that I got out of the, this episode. I'm sure they'll raise some more and they'll start answering some of them too. Um, but uh, yeah. So. This was the first episode of Gone to Texas. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, as I said at the beginning of the show, you can reach us by email, g2tfeedback at gmail.com. That's the letter G, number two, letter T, 
feedback at gmail.com. Uh, G2TPodcast.com has all of our episodes on it. And you can reach us on Twitter at G2TPodcast as well. Um, Nick and I are from the Midwest Film Nerds podcast. You can check that out at MidwestFilmNerds.com. Uh, I am also on the Midwest Game Nerds podcast, which is at MidwestGameNerds.com. If you want to hear us talk about movies and film news and other film reviews and things like that, go check out the Midwest Film Nerds. If you want to hear me and some other people talk about video games, check out the Midwest Game Nerds. The next episode of Preacher is airing on June 5th, so look for our next episode sometime that week. It's a bummer we have to wait that long. Yeah, we got to wait two weeks. They did. I think they wanted the Fear the Walking Dead lead in, so they put the first episode after the f- mid-season finale of Fear the Walking Dead. Mm. And then now they want to go back and kind of show it again. I love that it's airing on so. Sundays. That's yeah, great. That's good. Yeah. Good. It's good. <laughs> There's got to be a poster with a tagline that says "Go to church on Sunday" yeah, or something yeah, like yeah. that. I can't. I can't wait for like. I can't wait to read all the like the religious backlash. Oh yeah, I know there already <laughs> has been some. Yeah. So um, they played it a lot safer in that regard, I think, than uh, than they than they necessarily needed to. So that it's interesting. It might. It might. It might oh, it's get gonna go. Crazier. It's gonna go yeah. way out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I all just. Right. Uh, I'm excited to see what happens. All right. Uh, yeah, so I'll use our, our, our film lead sign-off. Kyle XY, go watch some Preacher. There you go.